This is episode number 297. How can we better reach people on the cusp of being violent so we can prevent trauma from happening and not just heal the emotional trauma afterwards with Heli Jilling. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Outs Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming weekly conversation called Survive to Thrive, Live the Story You Create. What this is, is a weekly conversation that takes place every single Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of resilience, gratitude, grief, and many other topics. If you feel that this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation, as well as ways that you can join it. Or feel free to check out all of our previous conversations on our YouTube channel, and that's simply by searching Overcoming Odds, and you'll be able to find all the latest discussions that we've had to this particular point. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work, by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Actually, speaking of uh, travel and holidays, do you you celebrate Thanksgiving? Oh, absolutely. We got a turkey ready to be cooked (laughs) and all that. Organic, of course, free range and all that. I love Thanksgiving because in Denmark, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, meaning I have absolutely no bad memories associated mm. with that holiday. Every other holiday is like, yeah, you know, you could think of maybe a memory or two that wasn't so great. But Thanksgiving is just full freedom for me. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, I this will be one of the first years that I'm not celebrating Thanksgiving, either with my family or my friends. Because when when I was in Austin, at least I was able to have a, a friendsgiving, so to speak, with some of the right. friends that I have there. And and this time, it's a completely uncharted territory. I'm There's so no turkey away. waiting for you. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so far away from any of that, and so I'm gonna be enjoying it through um, the Zoom screen in about five to six hours. Which oh great, I don't know Good. if that's exactly the same, but I suppose right. it's. Can't Anything quite smell the turkey, nothing, right? but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad that we're able to do this, as I was mentioning to you earlier, this topic of really taking responsibility for my own trauma and, and baggage from relationships and things like that. It's been on the back of my mind, primarily because this is a recent discovery of mine within probably the last five to 10 years. That's when I really chose to take responsibility for it. And I know that beforehand, whatever the relationships I would be in, I would uh, blame the other person for all these things that they did wrong, right? Of course it was their fault. Who else could it be? (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I started to realize and I would take a step back and reflect upon everything that the significant other and I had been through. And I realized that many of the things that I was blaming them for were actually my things and, and not necessarily their behaviors. It, it just happened to be, they just happened to be an outlet for a lot of these right, things. And so right. I figured that maybe one way that we can even start off this conversation is, do you remember not necessarily a specific time or a date, but what was happening in your, in your life when you chose to take responsibility for your life when it came to that re- regard? Like actually understanding that you have your own things from previous relationships and childhood trauma and whatever else that you might've been through. And it was your responsibility to work through them and not the other person's. I was in my early 20s, probably 22. I was, I was doing really well. I was strong. I was happy. I was partying up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'd be on the dance floor. I'd be partying. I was, oh man, it was fun. But I was like, there's just something weird about me. I don't know what it is, but I'm not like the others. I don't think the same way. I don't act the same way when I'm in a relationship. I mess it up. I don't know what am I doing. And it was like, I am feeling so good. Let me go talk to somebody. Let me get some help to start figuring out what's going on. So I knew that once I started to look into why I was the way I was, probably wouldn't be very fun. Mm. So I chose to do it when I was at the absolute peak of my life as I knew it at that time. And sure enough, I mean, once we started looking at, oh my goodness, you know, like I had, I had no memories of my early childhood. I was not able to say my mother's name. If somebody like, like my first therapist asked, what was your mom's name? And that, 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 I would be stuttering. My eyes would like flitter. I would hear in and out and I would be like, and she's like, whoa, what's going on with you? So, so that's kind of how the whole healing journey started. It was all about me whatever whatever happened yes somebody had done something to me but now it was mine because now it was in me and now it was up to me to heal it do you think in regard to your childhood trauma was it something that you were just blocking and or an oh absolutely the norm I had well I when I was on my was it on my 25th or the 26th I think my 26th birthday as I was blowing out the candles I had suddenly the first flash of abuse. I I had no memory of it before. And that started several years of hell of remembering what I had gone through of panic attacks, three, four a day. I mean, life was awful. If I'd had anything in me that wanted to kill myself, I would have done it then because life was absolute hell for years. So, So it was slowly, coming back to me what what had happened and I understood why I was the way I was and why I was so completely messed up. I found that especially for me in the recent years many of the relationships that I've been a part of I I really started to look at them as it's it's a two-way street and and that is there's a role that I play as well as the role that the other person plays and one of the things that I found to be triggering especially in one of the more recent ones, I guess you could say, is when the person did not choose to take responsibility for certain things, as well as myself. I'm, I'm sure there are things that I said, there's no way X, Y, and Z could be true, or there's no way that I'm wrong when I believe to be right. And, and, I, and I find that to be so interesting, because I think, A, I, I've really realized in that moment, 
that this concept of me, I will always be a work in progress, regardless sure. of what the stage might be. And then the other part is I'm realizing that when it comes to my past and not necessarily childhood trauma, but also the past as of yesterday or the week before the month before is that all of those things take time to process and, and really oh, understand. And, and I know that there were times where I just felt confused and completely lost and trying to understand how did X, Y, and Z happen? What role did I play into it? And I don't know if you can relate to this or anyone else that's going to be listening to this, but I'm, I'm the type of person who always tries to find a lesson within it all. It's just one of the ways that I've conditioned myself to learn. So something happens, I immediately put myself in this mindset. What can I learn from it? What has this helped me see that I may not have seen before? The beauty of it is I can then find things to course correct. The danger of it is that not all lessons are evident like this. Some <laughs> lessons take years to figure out. And that yes. took me years to understand. Right. And, and, I, and I'm curious from your perspective, especially the work that you're doing, how, how do you start recognizing some of these things? Do you go through a similar process that I go through as far as trying to identify the lessons? I know you briefly mentioned the astrology component as well, and maybe you could shed some light as far as like, what is, what does your process look like for you in trying to identify what's actually, what are the things that you're carrying from previous relationships or events or circumstances? Well, when I if if I if I sort of step step back a little bit and when I look at the clients that I work with, I'm an EFT coach, so I work with clearing emotional blockages, shocks, traumas, and and limiting beliefs. And most of my clients have have obvious abuse, like they know that something happened to them, or they know exactly what happened to them. So so we work directly with with the events that they do remember. And we clear the emotional charge, like uh, like like the shock the first time somebody hits you. Not not only are you hurt, not only do you feel rejected, not only is there whatever else is going on, but there's also the shock. You're three years old and you think life is all that, and the first time you get or you get beat, you get 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 raped. What whatever happens to you, on top of all the other emotions, there is the underlying shock of what. And that shock stays with you. And those emotions, are, you know, you, you learn to flinch, you learn to be scared, you learn to be on the guard and say, what's gonna happen now? You learn to always feel unsafe. And, and all those emotions stay with you. And yes, some, sometimes we don't remember them, but our partners, as you mentioned, when you get older, you start having relationships, your partner will show you yeah. where there's something not right or you will say wow i'm attracting a partner who's beating me who is violating me who is disrespecting me why why am i putting up with this why did i attract this man or this woman and then and then you start to go in and and deal with all the emotional conflicts and the emotional traumas which is why what i really really would like to do is find a way to reach people before imagine if somebody had helped your mom when you were five years old yeah. if somebody said oh my goodness you need help and she'd say yes please help me i know i'm hurting my boy but i, I I'm, I'm such a mess i can't do it and then somebody like that if i could get to work with them before the trauma happens 
if somebody, if I could have helped my mom before she became violent, my life would have been completely different. So, so what I'm doing is I'm kind of repairing the damage. And yes, you learn a lot from that, but maybe we could learn those lessons in a gentler way instead of having had such horrendous experiences. Mm-hmm. And how we reach people, that, that's why I'm starting to get on podcasts because I, if there's anybody out there who's no, and of course this has greatly increased during COVID because people are staying home much, but much more. Child abuse, oh, yeah. spousal abuse, way on the rise. So if somebody is out there is listening and saying, I'm driving, I mean, my kids are driving me crazy and I am two seconds away from beating them or from beating my wife, whatever it is. But when people are so close and if, if we could catch them before, that's, that, that would just be so wonderful. I would so love to do that. It almost seems like what many of us are trying to do is solve the consequences or the byproduct. Yeah, exactly that's everybody who comes to me they've all you know i mean they're 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 all adults well i do work with children too and that's that's like that that's exciting to work with children if you work with them five six seven year old kids and the, the parents know something is going on but they don't know what it is but there's something and then you can go in and work with a kid so instead of waiting till they're 50 and they have to come to somebody like me <laughs> and work through the trauma, if we can clear it when they're little, you know, then it doesn't affect their whole lives. So why do you think this happens? Why do you think this happens the way it does? Is it because people are unaware of the trauma? Is it because trauma is not as easily understood? Is it a lack of resources? Is it um, not being able to put in the effort or? You look, you look through history, we are, we are people, human beings are violent. We always have been. There's, there's this thing in us that makes us violent. And I do believe that human, the human race is evolving into a kinder, more loving, more aware species. But that's going to take a little while. I mean, look at the news. I never do. <laughs> but if you look at what humans are capable of and always have been, it's terrifying. So part of it is simply there's something about human nature that that easily gets violent. And I have absolutely no no answers to that, but I know that if we can educate people, what I do, for example, is not mainstream. So, so most people will say, well, you don't have a university degree. EFT is not you know, an authorized technique. So therefore you are not allowed to help regardless of the fact that I can help people so well and many times better than like talk therapy because when you work with EFT, optimal EFT, you work with the emotion. When, when you get hit, when you're five years old, you can talk about it all day long, but that does not clear the emotional residue that's still in you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't clear the fear. And so clearing things on the emotional level is so essential because that's when you start to have freedom. That's what EFT is, it's emotional freedom techniques. We want emotional freedom. So you do not act, you know, you're not conditioned by your past, but you start to see that you can see things differently. There are different perspectives you can see things from. And 
you don't have to be just the product of my violent childhood. You don't have to be an incest survivor forever. You can say, yes, I experienced that. It was awful, but now you don't have that emotional charge on it anymore. And so now you don't have to identify yourself as an incest survivor. Now you are somebody who went through some tough stuff and now you have a life to live, which is not conditioned by that, but which is guided by the lessons that you learned from that and what your heart just really wants without all the pain. What, what, what can you do? What would you like to do if you're not hurting? Is there a specific part of the body that the emotions are stored? Any part, any part. Most, most, most people feel it in their heart, their solar plexus, but, but there's always, always tension in the shoulders, in the stomach. Those, those are the most common thing. And so common places. One of the things that I've actually learned recently, a friend of mine, she, I forgot the technique or the massage that she does, but essentially does something similar to this where she's able to uh, release certain emotions within different um, parts of the body. I want to say it's the chakras that, that where she, she was able to um, tap into. And it was really fascinating to me because I, I realized that in having something like that done to me, that there was almost this um, weight that was lifted, not necessarily yes. off my shoulders, but somewhere in yeah. It, it was one of those instances where it was very difficult to describe what actually just happened. Right. But I realized in that moment that there was something had shifted and I did start to feel a lot more compassion and kindness towards that and thing. Probably so it, peace. You probably felt a measure of peace yeah, that you didn't have peace. before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I realized that in that moment, but I didn't fully understand it. And, and maybe you're the best person to even ask this question as far as what I might have experienced in the work that you've done with this practice in particular. What is the where how do you take people through this? Like where where does that journey begin of someone who has had whatever traumatic experiences and it, it probably varies, right? Probably varies from one person it, to another. But how do you how do you particularly begin this process to help people understand where certain things are stored within them. Usually we start by just simply explaining that, that uh, it, it's somewhat similar. You know, we, we use the same, when we use the tapping form of EFT, we use the same meridian points that acupuncture, for example, uses. So if you go to an acupuncturist, they stick needles in certain points and we don't use needles, but we tap on them. And what happens when you have some kind of emotional trauma or, or something Uh, you certainly have a limiting belief. It's like if you imagine a garden hose and you get that kink in it and then the water can't flow through it. Yes, that's the same thing with it. Yeah. Whenever I water the garden, it's... it's Yeah, kind of irritating. I have these really thick hoses that don't... (laughs) that can't (laughs) Because we have a big garden and we water a lot. But um, so when we do the tapping combined with, you know, there's... There's a lot that goes into it. You can't just tap on it willy-nilly. There's a specific way that we get you to tune into the emotion. And then we tap in a certain sequence. And that starts to undo that kink. And then suddenly the energy can start flowing through you again. So whatever pain you have, instead of just, oh, this pain, this pain, and it starts to flow out of you. So, So it's similar when you go in, like you were mentioning the, whatever massage kind of or Mm -hmm. technique there 
you were you were releasing you were you were unkinking that hose so that suddenly energy can flow through and the fear can flow through the shock can flow through and then it's like oh okay yeah that happened but now you don't have such a big charge on it now you don't have the emotional charge on it so so we usually st I start out explaining to people usually this metaphor of, of the of the garden hose and then we will a lot of them that come to me are in a fairly acute they, they are they're in so much pain and they're in so much fear that we simply start on well what's what's the what's the main thing here and we just start on trying to just get the overall stress level down a little bit and then we'll we'll start working on specific events like what was the worst thing that happened to you today oh, well i came home and my husband just meted me at the door and you know he he he, he hit me Okay, so then we go in and we start working with that until you have peace with that. You can think about it, but it doesn't trigger you. And then we say, okay, so this situation that you experienced today, what does this remind you of? Well, when I was five and I came home from the playground, my, my dad hit me. And then we go in and we resolve the emotions that you still have around what happened when you were five. And then we simply keep doing that. It's not a quick process. Obviously, this, this takes you know, a while to go through. And then we work through these events. And, and some people have just, just one big event. And some people were you know, raped every day, were beaten every day, what, whatever they were. And fortunately, we don't have to go in and clear all of them. So if you had something happen to you 100 times, if we go in and we clear three, five, maybe 10 of these events, it's like dominoes. Vroom, Oh, suddenly they all get resolved and and we have peace with it so we are at peace with what happened what is the purpose of the tapping specifically is it to bring awareness the, the, or focus the the tapping while you while you focus on the issue on the emotional pain the tapping points help to release the blockages that are in those energy in the meridians in the energy system so if we top tap on those specific points it helps to release that the tightness, the block that's in there. And so you tap and then it starts to be able to flow. And you are uh, just like the acupuncture puts a needle in to improve the flow of energy through that point. When you tap, it does a similar thing. It, it, it releases that block. It's so energy starts to be able to flow through you. And so usually fairly quickly, that pain, that fear, that whatever it is, starts to flow through you associated with that specific event. And then we move on to the next event and the next event. That's so fascinating to me. I just always get mind blown by how we as humans have been able to figure all of these different things out. Amazing, isn't it? Just absolutely amazing. And how, I mean, acupuncture has been known for thousands and thousands of years. I do Qigong too, because Qigong does the same thing. Qigong helps to improve the flow in the, in the energy system. It's absolutely the same. So I do that personally. You know, I do Qigong myself to help do it on that level as well. But, but this, I mean, it is such an incredible system, the whole Chinese system. Of, of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And uh, it's just wonderful. And we're so resourceful. We're like, well, somebody needs help. Let's figure out how we can help. And people came up with this and Gary Craig, who was like the founder of EFT, came up with this, this, this specific system of how, it, how, how the, the, the emotional pain 
relates to the energy system and which points we can use to release those emotions. And so tapping just like, you know, became known all over the world because it was so effective. And, and uh, so then Gary came up with, with this new thing called optimal EFT, which is an advanced form of EFT. Gary doesn't do tapping anymore. So in optimal EFT, we do the same thing. We try to find the specific events when something happened. The moment when I was five years old, I came home from the, from the playground and slap my dad hit me. You tune into this moment and then you simply ask what we call unseen therapist to come take the pain. And you, if you are a religious person, spiritual person, you can call it Jesus, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, or if you, you can simply call it unconditional love. So you ask the power of unconditional love or the unseen therapist to come in and take this pain. And how it works, I don't know, Oleg, but it works. It is like <laughs> unbelievable. So you don't do it, but just like in AA, you give it, you recognize there is a higher power and you, you ask higher power to help you and amazing things happen. And people feel such, I mean, you, the, the level of trauma in my clients that have been healed with this, I mean, it is unbelievable. It is so beautiful and so magical. You don't have to do any of the tapping, but you just ask for that, for that spiritual help. And it's mm. humbling. I'm absolutely humbled to be working with this. It is so amazing. And, and the change I see in people, I mean, it does. You know, that, that's why I get up in the morning because, because I see how I can help people. Yeah. It's very similar to what I had heard when I was walking the Camino and I know you and I were going to connect initially and I started the walk and you, you had, I think you wrote something in the email saying that take your time. It's a spiritual journey, something along those lines. And yeah. uh, you were right. And for me, it wasn't instantly within the first however many miles, it probably took me I don't know, 100 miles, maybe 200 miles to really tune in and, and start to receive a lot of these messages that I was receiving from other people and universe and whatever else the source was. But one story that I heard in particular was I was staying at this hostel in one of the uh, smaller towns between bigger cities. And the host was telling me how there was a person who had stopped by her place however many years ago. And essentially what the story was that his therapist ended up telling him that he should go walk the Camino instead of paying her thousands of dollars yeah. in service. Awesome. Awesome. He did it. And he came back and he said that everything that he viewed as a problem beforehand was no longer a problem. And I know there's also long-term benefits of the long form walks, having the ability to think through, to process certain thoughts. And I bet it probably gets even more healing if you go into it with specific techniques to explore and, and to work on. But I, I'm curious when, when you mentioned this earlier, why do you think this practice is not or or is considered quote unquote alternative medicine and not primary medicine? <laughs> oh, I don't want to go there. Oh, like I don't want to go there. That's that's uh I think that each each has its place. Mm -hmm. Conventional medicine, which is really very recent, mm -hmm. is very, very good at acute 
if you have a car accident, you know, don't take me to my acupuncturist, please, right. you know, take me to the hospital. But um, I think that we are so cheap compared to the money that is made in conventional medicine. There's so mm -hmm. much money in the pharmaceutical industry that it is, I mean, trillion gazillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. and, and there's too much at stake. There's too much money at stake to want to allow anything else to have much of a say in, in our healthcare system. Okay. I would love to see something like this become, you know, common. Well, why not? And especially when you're dealing with chronic illnesses, instead of giving your body all kinds of very powerful chemicals that may, may work short term, well, how about looking at all the emotional contributors? Like it's very common if somebody is diagnosed with cancer, if you go back in and see very often they, they either carry deep emotional trauma or something happened, like, like a father who lost his son in, in an accident, three months later, he has testicular cancer. The seed of his body was killed, you know, so that's where the cancer went. And I think there's so many other things we could, we could look at, but, but I don't even bother. There's, there's no going up against the conventional system. Yeah. So I work with like-minded people and we help people who, who hear about us. I mean, most people come to me through referrals because they hear how well this works for other people. And so I do what I can in my part of the world and what happens in the larger world. Well, that's up to young people like you. Ole. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just curious because this is something that I've been genuinely interested in as far as just this whole concept of labels and how one developed and then the other one I, I know for me one somewhat recent discovery that I've had is I used to have these chronic headaches not chronic but migraines were very bad and right and they were primarily caused by light I'm sure dehydration had played a big role in it as well and and whenever those things took place I would immediately take ibuprofen now, once again, yeah. I'm not saying anything against ibuprofen or anything like that. So it has fact, its place. You know, it, it has its place. It has its time. But what I've realized was that in actually recognizing the early signs of a migraine, when I would just pick up a water bottle and just drink water, that oftentimes it, it wouldn't even reach its intensity of what it right. used to be for. So I just, I, I just always found it fascinating how there's so many different things that I could do if I aware enough, if any, and if I give myself the time to, to yes. prevent some yeah. of these things. And, and yeah. I think what you just said, as far as people are finding their own way to get to you, instead of you telling them that, Hey, this system's right. The system's wrong. And because I, I don't think personally speaking, I, I don't think that leads anywhere besides maybe greater right. separation. Yeah. And we want, we need healing on all levels, this country. Oh my goodness. We, we need healing and we need to come together. Do, do, do you find that one of the other things that I found really interesting prior to this trip is I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who had shown me this map, and I wish I could find the map again, but essentially what it was, it was all based on astrology, and, he, and there were a bunch of different lines that were running through um, each one of the countries. Oh, astrocartography. I yes, believe so. Yes. Yes, it's and wonderful. I, it's I wonderful. I was looking at it, and I haven't been able to find it since, so maybe there, that's one 
area that you can assist me in in, in finding absolutely. that. Absolutely, send me your data, and I'll I'll show you. We, we'll talk about Perfect. it. But I I was really curious, and and I know you mentioned this prior to this this conversation, prior to us to hitting the record button, how some elements of that could also work for healing. But when it comes to astrology, do you mind expanding upon that? Like what, what does that actually mean and what role does it play in that? You, you mean astrocartography specifically or astrology in general? Astrology in general. Okay. So, so when we look at a chart, if, if, I am, if, if somebody had been present, astrology had looked at my chart the moment I was born, that astrology, if it was a good astrology, would say, we got a lot of potential for violence, including sexual abuse. We see a lot of possible insanity on the part of one of their parents, probably the mother. What, what might we be able to do to help this little newborn child deal with life better and have less stressful experiences? So it, it's kind of like there are certain things that are there are certain themes that we are born with that's kind of ours to wrestle with. For, my, for me personally, I have my, if you look at my chart, the, the theme of powerlessness, being made powerless versus having power is, is a huge theme in my life. So that's something I have had to deal with my whole life. That is like my biggest life lesson. And so you can go in and, and you can tell people saying, well, when, when you were this age, it, I can see in the chart that something like this would happen. So, so there's some level where things are just not random. They just aren't how it works. I have absolutely no idea. I also don't know how it works when I flip the switch and I don't know how it works <laughs> and I can talk to you in Portugal. Me neither. I have no clue, but hey, it works. I've been doing astrology for like, what, 35 years? Astrology always works. Sometimes the astrology doesn't work. <laughs> but the astrology always does. So it gives you a sense of, first of all, there is perhaps a bigger meaning behind everything. So that alone I find comforting. Well, somehow astrology shows me this. So, and it shows the timing of things. Like there are certain times in your life, like the Bible says, for everything, there's a season. For some of us, there was a season to be beaten. And for some of us, there's a, a time to be healed, but there are these different seasons and it's very, very easy to see in the chart. So for example, I have, um, let's do an example without violence. Like, like sometimes I work with families. Mm -hmm. I had a client of uh, some years ago who had four children. One of them had a severe illness. And so I could, that, that was kind of recurrent. It would come and go and come and go and come and go. And so I could go in in the chart and, and say, okay, you're not going to go on vacation during August because her immune system is going to be compromised and she's likely going to be needing to go to the hospital. And so then the family wouldn't go. And then I would say, but if you wait, you know, at this time, she's much stronger. And then you can go on your vacation at that time instead. So we were able to go in and help them maneuver this very difficult situation so they could maximize the times when the daughter's health was strong and then they would be staying close to the hospital when it was likely that she was gonna have a need of, of medicine and of, of intervention. Another example for, for children is that if you are watching your children's chart and you can say, oh, my kid is 10 years old and 
he or she's beginning to act a little different. And I looked in the chart and says, okay, you got to check out and see if, if they're do, starting to do drugs. Because terrible as it is, our young children are exposed to drugs in schools a lot of times. So, so we can go in and prepare the parents and say, you got to watch out. You got to watch out. Something's going on with that. And they, then you can stop it before the kid starts getting into drugs, for example. How accurate is all of this data? Well, it is accurate to within, depending on the aspect and all, but usually within a month or so, mm. plus minus. Mm-hmm. So I am, I have, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I am, I am very accurate usually. I'm also curious, and this is something that you mentioned at the beginning, in regard to some of these themes that one is able to see through astrology, do you find that are those almost, what's the right way of putting this? Are they almost predetermined or is there a way to flip the script and change a new theme? For example, if the astrology says that your theme is adversity for the rest of your life. It, it never says that. It never says it's adversity for the rest of your life. It will say there, there are some themes like, like powerlessness, perhaps like, like aggression, and, and to what extent it plays out in the person you can't know ahead of time, but mm-hmm. you can look and see, oh, yeah, there's some warning signs there. This could go towards, it's, it's like, so everything is, is a spectrum. You can, you can use aggression in a wonderful way. You can go in and you can rescue children from being abused. You can go to Africa and you can save all those starving children. That's a good way of using aggressive energy. You can go on the other side and you go home and you can beat up your wife. So, so where somebody's going to land on that spectrum is, is hard to, to say, but if we go in and if we look at evolutionary astrology, meaning we're not looking at this life in isolation, but we're kind of looking at it in terms of other lives, if people are open to the concept of reincarnation or some way of, of evolving through different life experiences, we can go in and see, well, you came into this life, you weren't a blank slate. I think every parent kind of knows that. I mean, the kid does not come in the same as, as the sibling, for example. So, so we can go in and see, well, it looks like you have these issues to deal with that maybe in a past life, you died in a shocking way and now you still carry, the baby carries this shock in them. Like a, ch- a child I'm working with right now, she had that signature in the chart and, and she is like, that child is so anxious for absolutely no good reason but the anxiety is there. And so we can go in and we can say, well, this is likely, then we can start, we can use EFT to work with it when we have identified something, but then we look at, okay, so this is what you came for, but what is it you're trying to learn in this life? So yes, you may have had adversity. You and I have both had, you know, our share of that, but what are we here to learn? So you mentioned that, yes, you realize it's up to you to learn lessons from that because we're going in a specific direction. We are going towards something else. So if you experience powerlessness, you are going towards taking back your power. Don't give your power away to anybody, not to your partner, not to the medical system, not to the president, not to anybody. You take back your power so that you decide and then you can die, you know, you can be 95 years old and lie on your deathbed. It's like, yeah, I did it. I did it. You know, I mean, that's how I want to die. One of my teachers once said, I want to die with a smirk, you know, I, <laughs> I got it. 
I got it. Do you believe we'll live multiple lives? Absolutely. Yes. What makes you believe that? Well, I have had a near-death experience myself. And when my mom committed suicide, she showed up to me. Nobody had any idea she was dead, but she suddenly showed up to me. And um, I have had... What does that mean? Uh, can you just briefly explain that? Not to interrupt sure. you, because I, I don't I have I was... firsthand experience with that. I hope you don't. <laughs> but I was 21 years old. I was away at college and I woke up one morning and I was just feeling weird. And, and as the day progressed, I felt worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was like, what is going on? And I, at the end of the day, I started calling everybody I knew and everybody was fine. There was nothing. And then there was my mom who I was not in touch with because that's, that's another long story. She was not a good mother. Um, so I didn't want to talk to her. So I had a friend of mine call her. And while my friend is calling my mom's phone number, my mom showed up to me and says, well, I'm not answering because I'm dead. And then she told me, you know, she was, she was, you know, real as, as I see you. And, uh, and she told me a few other, you know, personal things. And then my, my, my friends came back and says, well, she's not answering. I said, no, of course not because she's dead. And she's like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? I says, well, my mom just came and told, you know, because I was kind of, you know, a little, so I said, well, my mom just showed up and, and, and told me she's dead. And she looked at me like, whoa, hello. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, what's going on? But um, so no, so no. So I was expecting all evening that my brother, my father, somebody would call me. Nobody did. And after and the next day, I was like, well, maybe I am like losing it. And I waited a week. And then a week later, my brother knocked on the on my door and said, mom died. They found her last week. She'd been lying dead for a week in her apartment. So she died on that day. So I could feel her sinking she took an overdose of drugs she was an alcoholic and a drug addict and she took an overdose so i could feel that you know getting worse and worse and worse as she was getting closer and closer to death so um she she, she came to me as she was dying and nobody knew nobody in the whole world knew so it's not like you can say well you already knew she was dead so you made up the story that she came nobody knew and i waited for a whole week before somebody told me the police found her in the apartment, actually her school called the police and said, we hadn't seen her. And when they came and the neighbors had called and said, it smells funny from in there. So my mother's body had been lying in there for a week and was starting to smell enough that they could smell it in the hallway. But I have had other experiences. Like I have had flashbacks of Nazi Germany in particular of being in a concentration camp. Like when I was 19, I would be terrified of taking a shower because it felt like I couldn't breathe. I could only shower with the door open because it felt like gas was coming out and I was being gassed. So, so there's all the stories of wonderful people like Anita Morjani, for example, I just love her. But there's also all my own personal experiences that, I mean, there's just no way that life ends after this life. Whatever exactly that is goes on, I have no idea, but it's a place of love that, that I have experienced. It is like, love like we have never experienced on the, in, in this world. And, and Anita Mojani and others like her share that same experience that, that there's just so much love on the other side. 
And that's if we have any purpose at all, if I have any purpose at all, it is to do my very best to bring love into this world that sorely needs it. Do you think love is a choice? Absolutely, it is. Yes, it, it, that does mean that it's an easy choice. And it doesn't mean you choose once. You choose every day and you choose every moment. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to, ooh, I choose love. Probably they're late or they're stressed out. Or, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I am not that stressed out. We all have that, you know, instinctual. It, it's that that's the human nature part. But, uh, but we can choose, we can choose again saying, yes, that is my animal instinct taken over. Do I want to do that? Or do I want to, maybe I want to tap a little bit, you know, on this anger, let it go. And instead be, be loving to yourself. Well, I think that's, it's almost like exactly how we even started this conversation with the whole concept of violence and how it's probably just ingrained in many of us i i've been there many times i i absolutely i still still find it interesting how one of my really good friends she lives uh, i won't say i won't reveal her identity just let her you know work that work on that on her own but every time i get in the car it's it's exactly as what you described and what you showed and that's we get in the car, someone cuts us off, and I will hear every single swear word, swear word in the book, as well as ones that I've never heard before. Right. And it's just fascinating to me how those things can happen just through some of these things that we may or may never know the answer to. Why did that person cut me off? Were right. they late for work? Did they just get fired? Did someone just pass in their family? Are they going to a hospital? Maybe their wife is going into labor. I mean, there's a million and one reasons why. And, and dying because of road rage, I mean, that is just, that some ways of dying are just dumb, you know, and that is a dumb way to die for absolutely no reason other than you got ticked off. Yeah, and that's where I think this, this concept, and I've been really curious, and I know Casey Berman, who both you and I know, he shared with me a similar thing, how he said something along the lines of you can either choose love or you can choose fear yes and it took me a while to really process that statement and i don't know how many conversations i've had with him by now but quite a few and and finally it set in and for me it's it really is as simple as that i can either choose love or i can choose fear and and if anything else what i've also learned through my experience is whatever i choose to focus on truly does expand at least this is what my experience has taught me the, the interesting thing with that is why do i get so angry yeah why and that's you know so 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 you go in and you know and if somebody comes to me like that well then we will work on it with eft like so if if you had that road rage and all your fingers went up and everything we can go in and we can work on resolving that and then again we would say well what does that remind you of well when i was three years old something you know you experienced something that made you so angry but at three you couldn't express it it was so unfair what you saw it was maybe you got beaten because of something that somebody else did it wasn't your fault but you were blamed whatever it is but something made you so mad and if we then go in and we start to resolve all those previous anger issues you had after a while next time somebody cuts you off oh okay you, you, so you step on the brake for a little while and, and you, you leave them some room. Yes, you don't want to be tailgating them. 
because they obviously <laughs> not in a good space. So, so we can't always just choose it because if we have all that emotional impact from before, that's, that's, like, that's like a freight train. And so working with that, releasing that, then you really get to peace. But you, the first step is to choose it. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're not getting anywhere. How can people connect with you and where can people find out more about you, your work and everything that you have going on? Well, you can go on my website, peacewitheft.com. And uh, you, you can write to me via my email or, or via the website, or you can just email me, which is my first name, Hella, at peacewitheft.com. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.